0: I'm cold
1: Welcome to the Aftershock. I'm Philip Leva, hosting today with Colin Etnire and Alex Morgan. Guys, we get uh, three points on the road against the LA Galaxy, a hard-fought win for the San Jose Earthquakes. So, Alex, you're currently at the stadium right now in Carson. Why don't you start us off with your initial thoughts as we get into the show? Yeah, it's nice to
0: join you guys. And apologies if my audio is poor. There is no window behind me. And I think the San Jose Altars are still chanting their hearts out up in that away section. There was a good contingency of them here at uh, StubHub Center tonight, and they got a good show from the earthquakes. I mean, this was probably the most dangerous that the quakes have looked since the beginning of the season, since they, you know, won their opening two games in convincing fashion. You know, they came out pressing really high, you know, which they hadn't been doing in their last two games against the Vancouver Whitecaps and Minnesota United, where they sat a lot deeper. Uh, and absorbed more pressure and sort of grinded out two tough draws. This was the opposite. They were pressing high from the get-go. Shea Salinas was dominating play out on the left wing. He's 35 years old, but man, he looked like the fittest guy out there. Uh, And he played a big part in in a couple of their goals uh, with a good decoy run uh, that freed up Abobasi for some space to score. His first goal for San Jose, uh, perfect timing to give them what's a pretty big victory they're now back in a playoff position uh, so in terms of you know the results and in terms of just the momentum and mentality for this team I think this was a huge result
1: yeah I totally agree I think Shea Salinas did look like the best player on the field especially in the first half um, Colin Etnaier let's hear your take uh, on, on what you saw in this match your initial thoughts
2: well, you know, they say three points is three points. It, when it's the galaxy, it's not just three points. Uh, it's a, it's bigger than that. The rivalry still matters uh, to the, the, you know, for those of us been following the club for a long time. Um, and as Alex said, takes them into a playoff place. It gives them momentum at the right time. Yeah, this is a big, big win on the road against Galaxy, who are a, a quite a good team. They're not necessarily the powerhouse they were in years past, but this this is still a strong unit, and Greg Vanny has them kind of back closer to their form. And they spend a lot more money than San Jose does. So this is a big result. Um, and the the other interesting thing, the Almeida system. It seems like the system and the philosophy have now entirely been separated. We used to say, like the the philosophy and the system, that man marking thing, were just kind of one and the same. But I think that what we've seen over the course of this season is he's first gone and fixed the defense, and now in this game, it seems like he's fixed the attack as well uh, by not necessarily being as rigid about orthodoxy in his man marking system, but retaining those kind of principles that he has. They played, uh, they were brave, confident creative, expressive. Uh, they it, This was now made a performance. And I think that particularly coming after relatively short rest, uh, it was really impressive how much energy intensity they brought to this game. This is the kind of Quakes team that anyone would want to watch all year long.
1: Yeah, and I think that answers the question that Marcelo had in the chat pretty well on YouTube there. Uh, He asked thoughts on Matias now that he's adapted, and that was directed towards you, particularly, Colin. So I thought you hit that pretty well. Um, For me, the one thing that really stands out, and you kind of hit on this already, was now we have that one piece that was missing from the beginning of this. Actually, it's been missing for quite a while in Matias Almeida's system, and that is the number nine position, right? We weren't quite getting it with Danny Hooson. We haven't quite gotten it since Stephen Linhart and Alan Gordon were playing for the Quakes in 2014. And so to see somebody like Abobasi come in and provide that dimension that's been missing, I mean, kind of proves what everybody's been saying all along. Right. Not just us and our punditry, but what people have been saying online for a long time. This is the position that we have been missing. Somebody who can play with his back to goal, somebody that can play with his feet and somebody who is a threat on set pieces and on corners and any opportunity in which a player has to get into the air in order to score, which we kind of saw here. Right. We saw the goal from uh, Jeremy Obobese on the long deep early cross from Luciano Abacasis and he finds this position uh, pretty well and and he he puts it into the back of the net right so that is pretty much what we had been predicting what the team needed all along Alex I mean that was just like the perfect
0: goal sequence for Matias Almeida I think if I'm if I'm him watching that game there were some questions I think among the fans in the pregame about the lineup, about playing Chovis on the wing, because that hasn't necessarily been a place where he's flourished in the past with San Jose. Uh, but for that goal sequence, I mean, you had Rametti playing a long ball through the middle, uh, finding Chofis in that sort of inside position, you know, where he likes to tuck in and is, as an inverted winger. Then you hit Abakasis on the overlap, get the looping cross to uh, Abobasi. I mean, you couldn't have drawn that one up any better. And it's a great finish from Oh Bobi, see, I know. Uh, last uh, match we had some questions about, you know, his aerial ability, and I still think sometimes he struggles with those long balls over the top and winning them. But man, in front of goal, he has that aerial ability because that was just a perfectly placed header, uh, and you know, it's that's why Matias Almeida has basically thrown him straight into the starting lineup uh, and given him the the reins up top and. Uh, you know, if, if this is a sign of what's to come, I think that's a very promising thing for San Jose. Yeah,
1: it was an absolute perfect, perfect addition to the team. That's exactly what, what the Quakes needed, right? So um, Colin, I was going to kick it over to you really quickly. I, th- I think you had some thoughts about uh, possible Man of the Match contenders or, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. so the, the reason I was interested in getting in on this topic is you guys both you know you're instinctively reacting said hey Chase Linus is a strong man of the match contender and the comments in the chat we have a couple of other suggestions I actually think that there's three four maybe even five guys who you could have the discussion as man of the match that's how strong of a performance was uh Marcos Lopez I thought was really good tonight Uh, and he he you can see him growing into the talent that he very obviously has and the athleticism He's going to be a really good player. He's still, I think he's only 21 years old still, maybe 22. You know, you can see him coming into himself uh, there. Luciano Abacassi had his best game in a San Jose shirt, in my opinion, for this one. Uh, he defended pretty well, but his attacking was at a level we hadn't seen before. The the real contenders, though, for me are Shea, as you mentioned, Obobese, who was magnificent in a bunch of different dimensions tonight. Uh, and by the way, had two other shots that, well easily could have gone in another night uh but the last one is shofis shofis lopez brings something that no one else has on the team which is a technical ability in tight spaces to dribble his way out to pass his way out he can score he has that little magic and and technicality uh to him that um it's it's not common in this league it's not common in any league those players are the most valuable you know commodity you can have uh he didn't start out necessarily on fire uh, for San Jose, but he's come into himself and now he just looks indispensable. Totally, so I, totally I, I just think there's a lot of really strong performances tonight.
1: I think you can't take away from the goal that Chofis created, right? On the score sheet, it's going to go down as an own goal from Hamalainen, uh, but the fact is Chofis had the grit and the tenacity and really, like, the cheekiness to go to go right in on goal and, and make that happen, so that was pretty incredible. Um, you were talking about the backline a second ago, Colin. I think, uh, for me, a big question mark coming into this game was, how are were, how were the Quakes going to deal with with Nathan's absence, because since he's joined the team, they have, uh, they have not lost a match, right? They have a a consecutive streak of, of either draws or wins. So, uh, the fact that he was missing made it, you know, kind of a interesting decision for Matias Almeida to have to make coming into the match. And we kind of saw more of a traditional backline, correct me if I'm wrong with the, uh, you know, the two center backs and then with the left back and a right back, essentially. Now we do see them kind of like trading off and playing forward. You mentioned Marcos Lopez kind of plays a little bit more into the attack. And he does, you know, some of the things that um, that we like to see from the wings. And we did see the cross from Abacasis, as I mentioned earlier. But I think we saw a little bit more of uh, what we had seen prior to Nathan joining the team. And yet the Quakes were able to go onto the road and get three points against the Galaxy. So either way, it was quite impressive. Um, one thing that I want to hit on, guys, is talking about the central midfield and how they kind of came out in this match. And ta- uh, what's his name? Twelman on the broadcast, on the ESPN2 broadcast, had mentioned that they looked really fluid. And I'm not sure if that's how I would necessarily characterize what we saw in the midfield. So I'm talking particularly with Eric Rometty and Judson and Jackson Yule. And then with, you know, uh, Chofi's kind of like playing on the wing and as an, you know, as an inverted winger, as you mentioned, Alex. Um, I'm interested to hear what your guys' thoughts are on on how effective and predictable or unpredictable this midfield was going up against the Galaxy.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that earlier in the season, if I had seen that midfield, uh, I would have been a little skeptical because earlier in the season, the, you know, putting all three of them in there, Jidson, Rometty, Ewell combination, it didn't work. They weren't able to break teams down. Uh, Ewell at the 10 wasn't working. Uh, but tonight, it worked really well. Uh, tonight, I thought they were, you know, playing through the midfield. Well, you see that in the build-up to Obobese's goal. You saw them able to, I think one thing they were able to do really effectively was switch the ball today. You saw a lot of long switches, long diagonals that sort of instigated uh, attacks. I think there was a ball by Chofis, really long diagonal that was just gorgeous over the top that set up the chance where Avocasis hit the crossbar. And Mm -hmm. I I think one of the things that's making it work so well is actually the partnership that Jackson Ewell has formed with uh, Obobese up top Obobese loves to check into that space right where the 10 kind of operates. And what Ewell's been doing is just playing off of him and running him behind and making those runs. And I think that that uh, sort of combination of them together, that's worked really well. And uh, I I hope to see them continue to grow uh, in that partnership.
2: I I honestly don't like it. Uh, It worked tonight. I just have skepticism over the long run that this is the right setup. I think that the reason that Almeida went for it tonight is, you know, he was short a couple of key players. And I don't think there was that many other options that would have made sense to get his most talented players on the field. Uh, Rometty, Yule, Judson, all of them are absolutely in the 11 most talented players he had available to him tonight. Um, And I think that the way he was gaming it out, that's what made the most sense. I do think, though, that it is kind of a blunt system. Like, I hate Jackson Ewell as a traditional 10 because it doesn't utilize his best skills and he doesn't have some of the skills he would want in a 10. For this game, however, it worked, and I think that fluidity uh, is, is the key to it. Phil, to your point, not necessarily amongst the three midfielders themselves, although there was some, but all the other positions were given a lot of freedom to roam. You know, Abikostes was all over the place. Lopez was all over the place. You even saw some like surging runs from Tanner Beeson through the middle. And I feel like that fluidity made what can be a kind of a blunt formation where you have three kind of defensively oriented central midfielders. It gave it a little bit more life. Uh, and so it worked yeah. for, uh, for oh. the sentence.
0: All of which made it uh, all the more confusing when Almeida took off uh, Eric Remetti and Judson uh, for Wando and Andy Rios when they were defending a 2-1 lead in the 90th minute away from home. Yeah. Uh, no, maybe no. the most confusing substitutions I've ever seen, but hey, it worked, so I guess you can't complain. Yeah, I mean, Almeida has given up on some of his
2: dogmatic beliefs, you know, of the man mark all over the field, but putting on two strikers for two defensive <laughs> mids while defending a one-goal lead against your rivals on the road an all-timer and here's the thing this is the Almeida experience I don't think you get that level of boldness and confidence that the team had in those early minutes without a guy who's as bold and as confident as that absolutely agree agree. it's part it's part of the philosophy
1: and you know some of the things that Matias Almeida has talked about and some of the players have talked about leading up to these games is that they have that freedom to be fluid during the match and I think that's I don't know it's kind of like oxymoronic because like you have guys who do play a particular position, and yet they come in and they're all over the field, as you just said, Colin. They're kind of just, like, pushing up into different positions. And I thought it was it was quite odd near the end of the match that I don't know if it was, like, Matthias calling Tanner Beeson over closer to the sideline or up the pitch, but, like, yeah, it was, like, in the 75th minute or something, and suddenly he was way up the pitch on on what was a, a goal kick, essentially. So that was, I don't know, that was kind of odd. It was and, even later than that, actually. Yeah, and yeah, it's not, just unorthodox, it, right? It's completely and and that
0: yeah that that is a tactic that you know some people do use not usually in that situation <laughs> and, and <laughs> no. i'm actually curious uh you know what Matias almeida we see tonight in the post game press conference we're going to be joined by him shortly i believe jeremy Abobasi as well in the post game presser so everyone should stick around for that and i'm curious you know if he is upbeat and if he's positive about the team because i think that this was a very optimistic performance or if he's going to talk more about the refs because he can definitely talk about the refs. I think that Cabral for the LA galaxy definitely should have been sent off for that sort of challenge on Eric Rometty, where he kind of dragged him by the throat, dragged him by the head. You could see that Almeida was very visibly frustrated by that. And, you know, after the Minnesota game, he spent the whole time talking about the refs. So I'm curious if he's sort of able to move past that one in this one, because the Quakes won and talk about some of those positives. Uh, I think, You know, the Quakes deserve that. I think they deserve to be celebrated after a result like this instead of, you know, sort of harping back on the referees again. Yeah, but, you know,
1: one one thing I wanted to talk about really quickly was how well the Quakes were able to kind of like close down and d- defensively organize after um, either a turnover in possession or a moment in which the Galaxy were able to find space on the pitch. I think it's really important that they were able to organize effectively and create a defensive block in those situations. Um, one player that keeps coming to mind during this match was Sebastian Legette, He oftentimes was able to find space. Uh, right in front of the back four. But then you would quickly see, like, the midfield and the back four, as we happen to call it in this match, because they did have uh, four defenders, quickly, you know, defend those types of situations and prevent the Galaxy from really creating much of anything. Um, it kind of seems like the Quakes are, are really finding themselves within this system and continuing to be fluid and chaotic, which is quite incredible, right? So, and especially because we've had an infusion of a couple newer players with guys like Abobasi and Nathan. But I think, like there are times when the players are just in completely different positions and at the same time, uh, clear in what they need to do to help the team progress and be, uh, a positive or a protagonist in, in, you know, as we've talked about before and creating opportunities and playing well against, a, you know, clearly talented team like the LA galaxy. So I just kind of yeah. feel guys that the team is they're really rounding themselves out at a good time as they're pushing to get into the playoffs.
2: You know, one thing I would point out, so on the night, you know, thank you to stat man Jamin Moore, who's producing the show behind the scenes tonight. Uh, it looks like the XG of this game was about 2.6 for the Quakes and about 1 for the Galaxy. So that kind of gives you an idea of the stats, the underlying stats all suggest this was a strong, deserved performance. If anything, they probably deserved more than they actually got. Absolutely more. They could have had um, easily two or three totally. goals in the first half. Jonathan Bond had some remark two uh, sets of he double stood on saves. his head right
1: two double yeah. saves
2: uh, two double saves the and the two he gets uh, that he concedes you get the the header no way he can do a single thing about that and then the other one is the deflected own goal to be unfortunate I will say however that if you're looking at the xg stats for the course of the season the quakes haven't really gotten a particularly good set of statistics on that account uh, This is the kind of performance we need to see more of. And I I think that I'm a little bit hesitant to buy into the idea that this is the new quakes that we're getting. I think that they're still thin in some spots and, you know, a, a, a couple of bad performances and they're right back out of the playoffs.
1: The, well, Colin, I, I, think, I was just thinking about that, Colin, how like how quickly so many people have forgotten how terrible the Quakes were earlier this season. So let's remember how quickly that can shift, although I want to keep it positive. Now, Alex, I think you're about to say something. I wanted to, to propose something else to you as well as you're going into the, your next bit of analysis. Could you kind of like give us an idea of what it was like at the stadium tonight? Uh, what it was like for, you know, Quakes fans, because I know there was the small group up there. Some of our friends were there at the match uh, and what it was like in the press booth uh, for you.
0: Yeah, I think you overestimate me, Phil. I was going to butt in with a little joke uh, that I think the Quakes would have probably had a couple more goals if David Bingham had been in there for the Galaxy hey. tonight. Hey. Um, <laughs> uh, however, I will say that uh, it was a great experience in up uh, Center. In fact, uh, I believe if we want to go on a little tour here, uh, the oh, San Jose yes. Ultras, yes. Uh, you can still hear them. I'm not sure where exactly they went. Um, my camera might be unplugging here uh, as I'm trying to go on this impromptu tour. Uh, they were in the top <laughs> right corner of the stand, and now they are, I think, outside of the stadium, still making a ton of noise. So I'm going to go back awesome. to my little setup over here. As had, they should be. As they should be. Big shout, San Jose Ultros, they made the trip. Well, that's done. right. Yeah. yeah.
1: To drive all the way down there to Carson to show support, and it can be tough. It can be tough, you know, when you have all those those jerk Galaxy fans out there.
2: I know. It's a spicy rivalry.
1: Yeah. Speaking of which, I think MLSsoccer.com kind of blew it by not putting the um, LA Galaxy and San Jose Earthquakes rivalry up on their little poll that they that they had. I don't know if you guys saw that. Actually, they, they left out Toronto FC and, and Montreal Impact. Oh, well, I guess they're not Montreal Impact anymore, right? They're Foot Club Montreal. Foot Club to Foot, yeah. <laughs> anyway... Um, In my opinion, still one of the best rivalries in Major League Soccer. Yeah, and an
2: overlooked one, to your point. An overlooked Mm -hmm. rivalry.
1: Well, absolutely. And then considering, you know, LAFC is now now there, you have the cross-town rivalry. Although, Galaxy aren't really in Los Angeles. But that's kind of like a point we've belabored as Quakes fans. It's not quite funny anymore. But we still kind of like to say it because, you know... Because they're not in Los Angeles, but then we also have um, the possible arrival of. Well, I don't think it's possible anymore. We're going to have Sacramento Republic, so we will have a Northern California rival as well. But I think us true Quakes fans are going to be holding on to this um, this rivalry for quite a while. Okay. Is Sacramento still coming? I actually didn't. I, I know they lost it. an owner, but as far as I know, they didn't lose their. Oof. They didn't lose. Well, their I think
0: I they think, think they might play. have lost their spot in MLS expansion, and I have no inside information, but they've definitely been taken down Jaymen, from the Jaymen MLS website uh seems
2: confident that they are not coming uh, in the chat here. I stand corrected. Well, regardless, it, the, the real rivalries in California, even if Sacramento was there or some other Northern California team, it, it, the Galaxy-San Jose rivalry has a history that dates back to NASL. It has a history that dates back to the very origins of MLS. Some of the biggest games, you know, rivalries are made by big games. Some of the biggest games in MLS history were these two. Absolutely. This is a rivalry that deserve this is an organic rivalry. You know, MLS is obviously excited to hype up El Trafico or any new thing that comes along. This is a real organic rivalry uh, and it with a lot of history. And so and it, 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 it needs it, more
0: love. It feels like there's also sort of more cultural significance in the SoCal NorCal rivalry. Whereas I'm not quite sure how the El Trafico rivalry works but it seems a little more arbitrary uh, culturally speaking yeah. uh, and then also i think i mean i was just reflecting on the, the rivalry as i was watching the game and uh, i didn't miss having the stanford stadium at classico uh this year because it felt like that game really grounded the rivalry and, and it was sort of a showpiece game for major league soccer and so hopefully next year that'll be able to return uh because the quakes have had quite good fortune uh in in some of these games i mean the galaxy are near the top of the table but the quakes have i think pretty consistently been able to compete with them over the last two years
1: All right. looks like we're going to the uh, professor Matias Almeida.
3: We're joined by head coach Matias Almeida. We'll start by taking a few questions in English, followed by a couple more in Spanish with no translation. Let's get started
4: with Jamin Moore.
5: Unmuted.
4: Good evening, Matias. Congratulations on the win. Thank you. Really felt like the most complete performance by this team in, in quite some time, despite your long unbeaten streak. It really felt like a lot of players stepped up in a big way tonight with no Nathan, no Christian Espinoza, a different lineup than maybe you would have otherwise fielded, but it felt like a very strong performance. What's your analysis of the game uh, from what you saw?
6: Muted. Eh, aunque faltaban varios jugadores como Nathan y Christian, eh, varios jugadores rindieron bien. Eh, ¿cuál es, qué son tu eh, pensamiento del partido? Ante todo buenas noches. Firstly, good eh,
7: para mí hace rato venimos jugando, hemos mejorado mucho.
6: Por ahí de, en tantos empates merecíamos algún triunfo. Maybe en so many draws we deserved uh, some more victories.
7: Eh, y creo que hoy la actuación al ser un clásico
6: resalta más. Think, uh, today, uh, derby, Me gustó mucho como jugó el equipo. Really Me había
7: gustado mucho cómo había el partido pasado con 80 minutos con 10 hombres.
6: Really game, um, we Entonces nosotros recuperamos la identidad de lo que pretendemos ser como San José. San Jose. Hoy la calidad del rival era muy buena, uh, the opponent today
7: had a really good quality. un rival que viene ganando todos los partidos está ahí arriba
6: games and high up on the table.
7: y sabíamos que teníamos que hacer un partido sumamente inteligente y creo que tuvimos muchas chances de hacer gol y el arquero de ellos
6: realmente fue la figura. And uh, I think we had a lot of uh, chances to score and their, uh, their uh, goalkeeper was their standout player. I think that the win was deserved.
0: Thank you, Matias. Next question comes from Alex Morgan. Hi, Matias. Thank you for joining us. Congratulations on the win. Thank you. Um, can you talk about uh, the midfield tonight with Jackson Ewell? Eric Hermeti and Judson, because those three in the midfield were a combination that didn't really have a ton of success when they played together, the three of them earlier in the year, but tonight uh, looked really solid and really fluid. And it looked like that combination worked well. So I'm curious if that's just something uh, for tonight because of the injuries and the availability, or if that's a combination that you're looking at going forward as well. La
6: pregunta sobre, uh, los tres medios, um, Houston y Jackson, eh, que esa combinación, eh, antes del año no tuvieron tanto éxito cuando jugaron juntos. Eh, me está curioso si eso, esos tres medios jugaron eh, por lesiones y los jugadores que tenían disponibles, y que, cómo pensás que jugaron.
7: Bueno, el partido pasado también habían jugado los tres. Uh, the game, the three also y hay un partido más también ha jugado.
6: Sí. Games. Eh, creo que yo no me detengo ni en tres, ni en cuatro, ni, ni en uno. I don't get caught up on one, two, or any. Yo me detengo siempre en cómo trabajamos como equipo. I always uh, just take away how we work as a team. Solo estamos jugando con algunos jóvenes. We've been playing with some
7: youngsters. It
6: gives me great pleasure to watch Tanner the way uh, he's been playing when a year and a half ago he was playing on um, college level. Me da
7: mucho placer, me da mucho placer verlo a Marco López, que también es un joven. Also, me da placer ver cuando entra Key, uh, Me da placer ver cuando entra Ríos y cuando López y con las ganas
6: entran. Me gustó que Jeremy haya hecho su primer gol en San José. I like that
7: Jeremy scored his first goal in San Jose. Me gusta ver a Chofi, después de un año y medio que no jugaba verlo de la manera que va creciendo. Like a a
6: not,
7: uh, Y me gusta ver a los compañeros que no les toca jugar cómo apoyan a los que
6: juegan. And I like una identidad de juego, y ellos no saben. Eh, y cuando hay nos pone contentos, pero con mucha tranquilidad para seguir creciendo. And when there's wind it makes us really happy, but staying calm to keep going. Pero siempre me detengo en, en todo el grupo y no en algún jugador. But I always, yeah. I always take away the entire group and not just one player in particular. Thank you, Matias. Next question comes from Marco Ukalevich.
8: Bueno, Matias. Uh, Buenos noches y felicidades. Gracias. What does it say about this team's resiliency to come back after giving up sort of a soft goal there late and then get your own goal? Uh, and have you come to expect that now of this team at this point of the season? Gracias.
6: What se puede decir de la resistencia del equipo después de meter un gol, el equipo volvió, luchó y metió otro gol para la victoria. Si eso ya es algo que se espera del equipo de De Salud. Bueno, eso
7: es lo que uno siempre pretende, que no se caigan ante
6: un error o, o ante un rival que te supere en un gol. For, for when, uh, eso debería ser natural en los jugadores de fútbol. In the Me gustó el otro día que quedamos con 10
7: y enseguida nos hicieron un gol como se unieron ellos. I enjoyed how the other day we were down
6: at the men. we conceded a goal how the para defender lo que tanto deseamos. to lo what we uh, hope for so much. Bueno, esa es la identidad que trato
7: de, de transmitirle a este grupo y a los grupos que he dirigido. That's what I try to transmit to this group and uh, the other groups that I've coached. Hay un compromiso grande entre nosotros.
6: There's a big commitment for each other.
7: Y hay un sentido de pertenencia que día a día lo, lo van ganando con respecto a la camiseta que llevan puesta.
6: And there's a sense of uh, belonging that day to day they earn um, when, when they
3: put on the jersey. Thank you, Matias. We're going to take one more question in English from Jamin Moore.
4: Unmuted. Hi, Coach. Thank you for asking me ask one more question. Your uh, your back line tonight. You had two left footed center backs. You chose to play Tanner Beeson on the right. That really makes three different positions he's played for you. On the back line this season normally plays either left back or the left center back. How do you feel overall with the combination of players that you put out tonight? Uh the performance uh in total for this particular back line and and how did you uh prepare Tanner for for playing on the right hand side, which is not his typical uh side? Thank you. Muted.
6: Mm-hmm y centrales de los dos lados. ¿Cómo lo preparaste para esa posición y cómo pensás que rindió la defensa? Bueno, primero creo que rindieron bien. I think they performed the
7: performed well. Solo entrenamos eh, en muchas posiciones en
6: ellos.
7: Entonces, cuando hago un cambio de, de estrategia o de posiciones, porque ya le entrené and what I change strategies or change positions because uh, it's been practiced. Creo que él, lo repito, me, repeat, me great pleasure because it's one of those players that people don't talk about, y que son que and they're those who have a huge future. Eh, me da mucho placer It really gives me great pleasure. No es DP. he's not a DT. gana poco dinero He
6: makes little money. Ahora tiene un amor propio que le va a permitir hacer una gran carrera. But he has a, a pride that's allowing him
3: to have the career he's been having. Thank you, Matias. We're going to switch over to the Spanish portion and take two questions from Carlos Ramirez.
7: Profe, buenas noches.
5: ¿Cómo te va, Carlos Mauricio Ramírez de Telemundo? Un abrazo.
3: ¿Qué tal, Carlos? Un abrazo.
5: profe, viendo las gráficas que nos da MLS del partido, me llama la atención dos cosas y Las dos preguntas tienen que ver con eso. Primero, la la sociedad de pases de tu equipo, la mayor cantidad de pases se dio en el fondo, entre Lanís y López, entre Lanís y Bison, eh, 59 pases entre entre los centrales, pero luego los pases más frecuentes fueron hacia los costados, entre los laterales y los extremos. ¿Cuán ¿Cuán fluido está siendo ya esa dinámica de salir Porque es una de las cosas que más le costaba a tu equipo, y lo hablábamos hace meses, que la fluidez del del fútbol viniera desde el fondo con naturalidad y se desplegara hacia los lados para luego rematar la jugada en el centro. ¿Cuán conforme estás con eso?
7: Bueno, creo que hemos mejorado en eso porque hemos trabajado mucho con respecto a darle velocidad al balón. El balón debe viajar más rápido. Cuando el el balón viaja más rápido, hay más posibilidades de opciones de pases porque alejas al rival... De la presión, pero también son todos los partidos diferentes y nosotros analizamos mucho a los rivales. Eh, y bueno, dentro de ese análisis que hacemos, ahí va muchas veces por dónde atacar, cómo hacerlo, porque vemos las debilidades que pueden mostrar ellos y ellos nos estudiarán a nosotros, pero eh, practicamos mucho. Acuérdense que en bien llegué a San José, me preguntaron cómo iba a ser mi equipo. Y mis equipos, por lo general, todos corren y todos juegan. Dentro del todo juegan están las equivocaciones, que yo las banco porque pongo en riesgo mi trabajo. Pero no me importa, porque es la única manera que tengo de darle herramienta a los jugadores para que ellos crezcan, confíen eh, y sepan que se van a equivocar. Ahora, hay que romper ese, esa barrera de, de debilidad mental de decir que no puedo. Siempre se puede. Técnicamente los jugadores pueden mejorar hasta que tengan 60 años. Porque yo lo pruebo. Cuando jugaba al fútbol no me animaba a patear de zurda. Y hoy que pateo 100 pelotas por día, pateo de zurda. Y pateo bastante bien. Entonces creo que pasa mucho por la confianza, por lo que mostramos, por lo que trabajamos. Eh, y bueno, cuando se dan esta clase de triunfo nos pone muy feliz porque... Realmente le dedicamos mucho tiempo, mucha pasión, mucho amor. Mucho amor tenemos por lo que hacemos con el staff. Y los jugadores han interpretado este sentimiento que tenemos con respecto al fútbol.
5: Y y la segunda, Matías, quedándome con esa línea, pero del otro lado. eh, Hoy el Galaxy dio 477 pases. Te pregunto si sabes cuántos fueron entre Kevin Cabral, Jovejic y Kiestan, por ejemplo, y Efraín Álvarez.
7: No, la verdad que no no voy contando todo eso. Bueno,
5: te doy la la respuesta, Matías. Cero, cero. Tu equipo no le permitió un solo pase de 477, ni uno fueron entre los tres atacantes. ¿Qué te dice eso?
7: Bueno, era el trabajo y y dónde debíamos bloquear, porque ellos han mejorado muchísimo y tienen un gran potencial ofensivo. Muy bueno, muy peligroso, rápido, con buena técnica, con gol bueno, teníamos que estar ordenados y bien ubicados para para cortar ese circuito que ha dañado a todos los equipos, inclusive a nosotros.
5: Y cuando te digo esa estadística, ¿qué te genera? ¿Qué sensación te genera saber eso?
7: No, bueno, me da placer porque se planificó, se se estudió, y muchas veces nosotros estudiamos, planificamos, y, y a veces un resultado... No termina avalando lo que hacemos, pero hoy, bueno, hoy al al ser el resultado positivo, por ahí se encuentran todos estos datos, números que que te juegan a favor. Pero en muchos partidos hemos buscado cosas que por ahí nos quedan para nosotros, que los jugadores lo saben y y el resultado no ha sido ese que esperábamos. Pero así es el fútbol, pero creo que tenemos que seguir en esta línea que hace rato venimos, donde parecía que ya estábamos muy mal y volvimos a estar ahí otra vez, y bueno, creo que es un gran esfuerzo. Nuestro plantel está luchando mucho, el equipo hoy de Galaxy seguramente está armado con otro tipo de inversión,
6: Eh,
7: es un equipo histórico de esta liga, y nosotros luchamos con nuestras armas, con el amor propio, luchamos por honor. Cuando los jugadores que dirijo yo interpretan lo que es el honor,
5: all
3: right, thank you very much, Matthias and Augustine. Congratulations on the victory.
1: All right, there's quite a bit for us to work with here in regards to... Uh... Matias Almeida's response in this press conference but I do want to take a moment really quickly before we jump into it to acknowledge the chat and uh, Michael who is pretty much with us in every single post-match game and he said before he left because he had to leave early tonight to make sure you like and subscribe to the show so if you can all take a moment to do that we would greatly appreciate it. Um, talking about the press conference, though, with Matias Almeida, I think one thing that I picked up on call, and Colin, we were kind of talking about this a little bit before, is that Matias, uh, not only does he seem really content uh, and happy and, and laughing here in the press conference, but he expresses um, more of the positives that we like to see from him that we often see from him in terms of how he feels about his players, rather than harping so much on like, The refereeing side, because I think that's kind of what we've seen a lot of in the last couple of press conferences. And I went back and watched some of the last Aftershock show with uh, with Jamin and Alex. And that's something that you guys definitely highlighted in that show as being kind of like problematic in terms of how Matias is presenting himself and presenting uh, the team and kind of like their attitude and himself being the face of the team in that sense. So um, going back to some of the comments from tonight. However, uh, one thing that a lot of the, the uh, listeners, the wa- the people who are watching right now on YouTube are commenting on is the fact that there were no completed passes between the attackers of the LA Galaxy. Now, I cannot back up this stat, but I'm going to trust the stat since it came from Carlos uh, from uh, uh, Telemundo. And so I, I find it quite amazing that there wasn't a single pass. Now, I, I did notice that during the match, uh, was was quite um quiet right like we didn't see a lot of them during the match but pretty unbelievable guys i mean i'm curious what your thoughts are uh regarding that that topic in particular i'm
0: I'm half expecting jamin to jump into the backstage chat here and tell us we're all wrong and that they connected like a (laughs) hundred passes but um no the the san jose's defense was really rock solid and i think that's probably the reason why Almeida spent so much time talking about the defense in that post-match press conference. I mean, he was really effusive for his praise in Tanner Beeson. And for the last couple games, he's actually mentioned Tanner and, you know, how much uh, he's impressed with him and the transition that he's made from playing college to playing at the, the quakes level and MLS. And, you know, he, He's been a starter now for a long time, first at left back, and now he's moved back into that center back position. And I think that's a place where he can uh, really succeed in the long term for the Quakes here. And uh, also, Marcos Lopez. I mean, Marcos Lopez was fantastic tonight. And I think for Quakes fans, that's great to see because he went off and he played really well in the Copa America. Uh, over the summer for Peru. And he had an outstanding tournament. I think it elevated his reputation, his status internationally. But then he came back and I think for a couple of weeks, he sort of had a hard time getting back into the Quakes lineup and reintegrating into the team. And tonight was the first game where it really felt like, okay, he's in that starting spot and he's claimed it back. Now it's totally his. He looked very dangerous going forward and had a couple of world-class tackles there at the back. So a really strong performance from Lopez at left back too. Uh, I think San Jose's defense. I said it I said it after the Minnesota game. They are the reason that uh the quakes are now undefeated in like 10 games it's because they've been so rock solid at the back and and really quite resilient as well in order to you know come back from uh, a a bad situation conceding a a tricky goal and and getting three points tonight
2: yeah step one was fixing the defense because it just was not right to start the season uh and quite frankly i think that it could probably use some improvement over the off season as well because as Volda alanis Skilled, very composed, clever defender does look like he's losing a step. And that that Olympico that was allowed when he was on the front post with no one else to mark, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think a more athletic defender would have been able to take care of more comprehensively. Uh, but tactically, the, the chances are few and far between. The stat, as I said, from or as Carlos said, and you know, we're repeating here, was that the uh, Galaxy attackers did not link with each other at all this game. And to me, that passes the smell test. That is kind of what I observed. Jovalich, almost nothing of the ball. Cabral did get the ball sometimes in halfway dangerous positions, but mostly dribbled down, called the sacks, and didn't find anybody else on the end of it. Uh, that's a huge credit to the back line. It's also a credit to the midfielders in front of them, though, because you know Matias has a, a, a high a pressure system, uh, and having a guy like Judson right in front of them uh, was really helpful. He helped you know, bail out a lot of pressure situations, both with his tackling, but then his passing out of it as well. Uh, so, you know, credit to the entire group, but it looks like we got Jabo.
0: Thank you for joining us tonight and congratulations on the goal. Um, I'm curious, you know, how it feels uh, to score your debut goal for the Quakes and, you know, how that play went down from your perspective.
8: Yeah, it's very exciting. Obviously I've been brought in here to, to add my quality to the group, uh, to an already very strong group, which is what I learned even more so the minute I got in from you know the first guy to the guy that's not dressing. It's a group that's united and, and working towards the same goal and everyone's ready to step up. So I was really happy to get a goal. It was, it was great service in from Lucho and, and a great decoy run from Shea allowing me to, to find my own space in the box. And from there, you know, I'd had a couple a couple chances early on in the game, and, you know, the keeper made some good saves. So it's easy to get demoralized in those moments, wondering when is it going to fall my way? Uh, but it's also part of the growth and the development of a striker is being relentless and understanding that even if you're missing chances, even if the goalie's making good saves, there's another chance that's coming your way. And, and I was happy that, you know, I was able to meet uh, the quality
3: of the cross that came in with uh, a quality finish as well. Thank you. Next question from Jamin Moore.
5: Unmuted.
4: Hi, Jeremy. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us this evening. Congratulations on the goal and the win. Um, it may seem like a little bit of a boring question, but you certainly have every moment since you've stepped onto the pitch for the Quakes, you've played every second so far um are you expecting to play a full 96 uh, minutes or however long it takes in order to to grind these results out and uh you know uh how's your fitness at this point in the season and and being able to to continue to play uh uh, full game uh, minutes like this thank you
8: i'm here to to fulfill whatever the coach needs in a given moment whether he needs me to come off the bench and add energy and, and Find goals on the entire defense or whether it's starting the game and wearing defenses out, hopefully getting some goals and and either finishing out the game to, to close it out like did tonight or uh, making way for the next person to add that relentless energy. It, it's a team environment and team first from everyone here. So uh, whether I'm starting and playing all 90 or coming off the bench or whatever it might be, I, I, we're all working behind uh, the leadership of the coach and, and I'm pleased to play my part in that.
3: Thank you. Next question from Marco Ukalovic. Hey,
8: Jeremy, congratulations again on your first goal as a, as a the earthquake. You know, Bon made some good saves in that end of the first half, and then he hit a crossbar uh, in the second. He easily, easily could have had two, if not three goals tonight. So at halftime, did you pretty much feel that it was going to be inevitable that you were going to get on the scoreboard tonight? Yeah, yeah, I go back and forth. Uh, sometimes I feel like when – they're always making good saves, and it might not be your night, but it's it's part of the ethos of this team to to keep going and continue to find a way forward. And that's something that I've had to adapt to on the fly, and that that's showing I think in tonight, missing a couple chances, allowing goalie to make some good saves, and and continuing to push on for that third goal. You know, even when we take a step back and and concede a goal the mentality of the team to go find that game winner then you know, symbolizes what this team's capable of to go on the road in the Cali classical against another galaxy team. That's very strong, you know, near the top of the table. And I'd played them several times in Portland and had difficult games as well. So to, to show that resilience and not put our heads down and not allow them to capitalize on the momentum from uh, equalizing the game that shows what this team can be. If we're, Uh, in tune for 90 minutes and and that's what we were tonight. Just one game. We have uh, several more to go, but it's it's an important step and hopefully one that we can continue to
3: replicate. Thank you. We're going to take two more questions, starting with Carlos Ramirez.
5: Uh, Hi, Jeremy. Carlos Ramirez, uh, NBC Sports Bay Area and Telemundo. Uh, It was your first Cali Classico. Um, and with this, you scored six goals in seven matches against the Galaxy. What is it about this team that you can find your way against them? And how do you feel with your, I mean, how did that first Cali Classico land with you?
8: I felt great. I've obviously been a part of some pretty intense derbies uh, within MLS and, and the Cascadia Cup clashes. Uh, but this compares evenly to those. So I knew the energy that I needed to bring into the game and, the team was again ready from minute one i think there's a long way to go as i said but to, to get this goal against galaxy i don't know what it is uh, but maybe the, the size of the pitch allows me to, to find some different spaces especially here but uh, as a striker you always count on service and, and today the service is spot on you know not only on the goal but in the first half on some of the corner kicks and and you just got to get positive reinforcements to, to the team feeding you balls because those are the types of balls that I want every game. Doesn't matter if it's the Cali Classico or any other team an the Eastern Conference team. You know, we need to approach each game with the same level of intensity and, and hopefully you know, we can find more goals on a consistent basis against any opponent.
3: Thank you. One final question
0: from Alex Morgan. Hi, again, Jeremy. Um, I'm wondering about the combinations that you're making with some of the other attackers and midfielders. Um, You know, it felt like you were trying a lot of runs and, you know, checking into a lot of good spaces in, you know, the Vancouver and Minnesota game, but maybe wasn't always working out. This game, it really felt like it clicked. And so I'm I'm curious, you know, what kind of uh, combinations you're looking for? with you know, Jackson Ewell in the 10 and some of the other midfielders uh, and how that interplay felt tonight.
8: Yeah, it felt sharp at times. It felt like this is, look, this is a big field. Uh, and the size of this field allows you to really focus on your spacing because if you're well-spaced and you're sharp with your touches, then you're going to stretch the opponent out. And so, especially at halftime, we understood that there was space for me to check in uh, into the midfield and to link up with our midfielders, which would then allow them to run forward with the ball and link up with our wingers. And so that's something that we successfully exploited a couple times. But every game is going to present different challenges. Vancouver sat back a little bit more uh, at PayPal Park, which made it a little bit more challenging to find those spaces that would allow for dangerous layoffs that would spring counterattacks or or quicker, quicker attacks. Uh, but generally speaking, it's just making sure we're working together, not occupying the same spaces, and then knowing where we are so that we can play in one two touch and understand that if we play in one touch, the next person's ready for that pass because the quicker you play up the middle and the better spaced you are, the more likely you are to find good through balls leading towards goal. And so we have a a good two weeks to to work on our attacking patterns but between lafc especially and tonight there were some some really promising moves and there's a lot to build off of with the relationships on the back to front
3: all right thank you very much jeremy and congrats again on the victory thank you all all right thank you guys all very uh... much for joining us tonight we'll be in touch soon
1: there are a lot of Quakes fans who are in love with this man, Jeremy Abobasi, right now.
2: I was I'm in the pre-game chat. I was saying. Hold on. I didn't again. take a breath. I know. I was like, I'm already excited. <laughs> I'm already in love.
0: Um, I'll just say that tidbit about the width of the field is something that I wouldn't have considered. Uh, the fact that the Galaxy have a really wide field. That was actually something that I thought into myself per game. Oh, huh, this stadium feels really big and. Uh, I guess that's right. And that's one of the reasons why the Quakes, I think that interplay and combinations in the middle looked so good and why, you know, Colin, as we were talking about earlier, it looked like the midfielders had a lot of space to combine. Maybe they go back to PayPal Park, relatively narrow field, I think that's not necessarily the case. Uh, But that was a really insightful bit. And I also just think the quick passing that he was talking about, that's something that Matias Almeida touched on as well uh, in in part of his Spanish-speaking Uh, portion of the press conference. Uh, Thankfully, we had our our dutiful patron Marcelo in the patron slack being able to live translate some of it. Uh, He said, you know, we've improved a lot with moving the ball quickly, a quick ball gives you more options versus your rival. Uh, And so that was one of the things that you know, both of them touched on how quick they were passing tonight. So that's something that I think can also translate into some of those smaller fields. And, you know, one of the things that uh, the quakes can build on. So
2: it, it, Phil, you started out this episode by talking about some of the strengths that we've seen from Abobacy. Let's just repeat them again, because I think they're worth repeating. <laughs> and different because, I mean, he, he's a, he had a great game. And that's important. But the way that he fits with his team is uh, potentially something that can help them access a higher level uh, offensively than they've had so far. Uh, what I knew going in, based on looking at his stats and having watched him play a little bit over the years, uh, starting actually when he was playing with Jackson in the U-20s uh, way back in the day, I knew he, obviously his athleticism stands out, um, and he had that goal scoring neck. You know, he, He's been a goal scorer consistently at a lot of different levels that he's played at. What I did not know personally uh, was I didn't know how refined his back-to-goal game was going to be, how good he was going to be at licking it up uh first touch he had took a lot of really good touches and good controls he even has this little drop of the shoulder move he does to you know to get out of pressure so that kind of refined technical skill set I personally hadn't seen too much of and a part of that's because he wasn't played as a true number nine very much in Portland there wasn't as much opportunity but the other thing is what you saw tonight in the press conference which is the attention to detail the cerebral aspect of his game of you know he the geometry of the field in this one uh the way that he's combining uh it, the fact that he he was very quick to give credit to Shea's dummy run um that you know this attention to detail that's big Uh big shout to alex morgan for also flagging the exact same thing it's not something i noticed in live time um but yeah look that's a combination of factors that makes for a darn good player and changes the of the ceiling of this team uh if they can get the right Elements around him and I agree with him entirely the attacking moves look good today that they looked creative
1: Yeah, um I, you know what I have nothing else to add to that Colin, because I think you just articulated everything I had every feeling I had about Abobase. I like that you mentioned the little shoulder move though. That's like reminiscent of some of the best strikers in the league. I mean, we're talking like uh Sebastian Jovinko when he plays as a, you know, a smaller player up front, but even guys like Joseph Martinez who have been incredibly successful in this league, they all have that move. They can all do that. So it's cool to see uh Abobase in that in that sense as well. So I think now would be a good opportunity, guys, unless you have anything else regarding Abobasi and this part of the um, the show, to go ahead and move to the final thoughts portion. Okay, so Alex, why don't we uh, we go kick it over to you first and give us your final thoughts regarding the match, the show, or the press conference.
0: I mean, this was a great result for the Quakes Uh I I, I said it after the Minnesota game. It feels like their matches against the Galaxy, these big rivalry games, especially when they're nationally broadcast, I think it it feels something like a crossroads for the Quakes. And if they lose this one, you know, they're still below the playoff line, you know, two weeks, they kind of lose whatever momentum they had. Uh, And I think you start to question whether this team is capable of really lifting themselves up into the playoffs. But after a win like tonight with, you know swagger with confidence they knew what they were doing they had a game plan they executed they adapted really well they showed mental resilience uh, after that allowing that goal to come back for all of those factors i think uh, they were firing on, on all cylinders and uh, i i i think that this is a huge confidence boost for the team and as jeremy was saying in his press conference look they have two weeks off now they don't play again until september 4th that is Time to drill these things. Time to keep building on these things that are working. Uh, maybe give some rest for some players that are injured. You know, we had Christian Espinosa tonight with an ankle injury. We heard from a quick spokesperson that that's not serious. He should be back by September 4th for their next game. Uh, but, you know, they've had a lot of games in quick succession here. And so uh, it's I, I think a good time for this team to take a breather uh, to, you know, build on these things in training and and come back even stronger. And I think that there's a good chance that this is a team that can mount a serious playoff push at this stage in the season, if they keep playing the way they did tonight.
1: All right, Colin.
2: This is the template. Uh, I, I think that it's always important to never get too excited when things are going well, not too upset when things are going poorly. So I will temper it by saying, you know we don't know if they're going to be able to replicate this level of performance over and over again uh but this is the template this is the one that if they follow it absolutely that that is the pathway to the playoffs uh and in the off season they can build on it further because they'll have a lot of flexibility to uh, to improve their roster so this is an exciting time to be a Quicks fan in a weird way uh, because expectations are relatively low but the performances are getting better and better uh, and it's always a good night uh, when you beat the LA Galaxy. Um, only other thing I wanted to say is I wanted to mention that uh, we heard, of course, that Zumbi passed away of Zion I, uh this week. Uh, he generously, I mean, I, I reached out to him at the beginning of the season and basically said like, hey, can we use this song as our uh, intro song? Um, He didn't need to respond, but he did uh, and, you know, worked out something with us at a very reasonable rate. And uh, it's just, you know, we're a local soccer blog and he's a local Bay Area guy. So we were really grateful for that uh, and grateful for his music. So RIP Zumbi, thank you. uh, And, you know, uh, 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 we appreciate the support.
1: Yeah, well said, Colin. I just want to note that I, this match surpassed my expectations, and that with Nathan out and Christian Espinoza out, that seemed like it was going to be a really tough gap to fill for this team. But they came in and they showed the grit, the determination, and the wherewithal to do exactly what Matias Almeida has been saying all season. That is to play as a team, um, don't be afraid to take agency, be an individual out on the field. And and I just saw so much of that in, in a lot of these players throughout the match. And at the same time, as chaotic as it got, as individual as players were on the pitch, they still came together and played as a team. And they did it without two of the better players. Like, I think if we asked prior to the match, you know, if we did a poll, uh, which players are, are most valuable to this team at this point, I think Nathan would come up and possibly Christian Espinoza would come up as well. And neither of those players was in the match. And they still pulled this one out on the road against a rival in a really important moment in the season. Um, so the other thing I wanted to say before we close out the show is I would like everybody to take an opportunity to check out Quakesepicenter.com. That is our home base. You can also check out our Twitter account at quake's epicenter on Twitter uh, where you can find our takes. And um, if you follow us on there, you'll see that we oftentimes have, um, some really great takes from a lot of our different members of the show. But one of the best places to find those actually, in addition to Twitter is to join our Patreon Slack. And the way that you can do that is to is to go to our website, check out our Patreon. It's five dollars a month. You can contribute to our show, not just to the Aftershock, but to Quake's Epicenter as well. And you can join our Slack and get um, the hottest takes on there as well. Um, If you don't have that much, that's okay. We have other other options as well. You can do a custom amount. If you pay $2 a month, um, you can actually get early access to our, our great articles that are on the website. If you check out the website right now, you'll see that Collins article Who are you? Three proposed identities for San Jose is up on there, as well as Jamin Moore's article that was released nearly simultaneously, uh, Six Simple Steps to Hiring the Right Earthquakes General Manager, which I find quite interesting. And I think after tonight, a lot of us are going to be considering whether or not Chris Leach is going to be that guy moving forward. So those are some things just for you to check out. Highly recommend. We also have the salary spreadsheet, uh, Colin's famous salary spreadsheet up on there as well. So go check that out at www.quakesepicenter.com. Alex, you got something? And if you
0: want uh, to see more live in-person coverage at different games on the West Coast across the country, uh, that is how you can help make this happen uh, by subscribing to our Patreon uh to so we're able to fly fly people out to all these different away games and give you guys even better coverage here on the aftershock we we really appreciate everyone uh, who already is subscribed part of this wonderful community and we're we're looking to grow even more so we can uh, improve the coverage from from that angle
1: yeah well said um i have nothing else guys i just want to thank everybody for joining us tonight on youtube uh it's been a lot of fun take care
2: thanks everybody